Well, good evening, brothers and sisters. Dear friends, have I got a fantastic study for you tonight. Now, I just want to say that um, at the end of the study, I've got some important information to break for you about what's going on in the world right now. So we know that uh, what we're seeing in the world, what you're seeing playing off on your TV screens, the things that people say and, and, and all of that, we know that these are just sons of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that and we're going to see the scripture tonight. But I want to show you how that actually comes together. And our study today as we continue in this discipleship course is going gonna, is gonna to actually prove at the end of this video that what we are going to study tonight is so true in the world. So bear with me because we're going to go through a lot of scripture verses, but you have to wait till the end of this video. And I will show you something really interesting that's happening in the world. Now, we've been looking at the discipleship course. Who's God? Who's man? What is man? Who's Jesus? We looked at his life. And the previous study, we started with looking at sin. This tainted thing that's upon mankind. And we're starting to pull it out and look at it and understand what it's all about. If you understand what it is, maybe the chances are there that you will think twice before you conduct in sin again. The last study we looked at, uh, Romans chapter 3, 23, says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we've unpacked the glory of God. We looked at the word armatia, which is to miss the mark. Now, in the next study, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that specific word. And I will address something like, if you do not hit the mark, you've got to hit something else. And that comes down to personal sin. But for today, I want to touch on the origin of sin. In other words, where did sin come from? Where did it start? Now, a lot of people will immediately say to you that it started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And yes, they are correct that for man it started in the Garden of Eden. But in fact, sin happened way before the Garden of Eden. It originated with Satan and then it spread into mankind. Now, listen to the following scripture verse that Paul, when he speaks to Timothy and he talks about elders, he gives him prerequisites for elders. They have to have these things, a list of things that the elder need to have. And he, had, and, and he writes this in a really interesting way when he writes this to Timothy. And I'm going to read for you from Tim, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. He says that an elder must not be a novice. A novice is a beginning. It's, it's, it's somebody who's new in something. He doesn't know everything already. He doesn't know how everything works. We call him normally a novice. And he says that an elder in a church should not be a novice. It shouldn't be somebody who comes in this Sunday and next Sunday is an elder. And it's also not 
just because in the church it shouldn't be somebody who who the lord saves this sunday miraculously or on a saturday and the next sunday you make him an elder for this man needs to grow he needs to learn about god he needs to do this bible study so he says it should not be a novice why not a novice and we've seen so much what paul is describing here because he says, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. This is why you do not put somebody new into a, a high responsible role. And this is a biblical concept which you can find in business. You can find it in companies. When you don't take somebody new and you just throw them into a management situation because that circumstances will puff them up and here bringing it back to the church he says if you put somebody into an elder role which is a leadership role in the church that will puff somebody up with pride and then he compares that person to none other than the devil. He says, because he will fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Now, the word condemnation here means punishment with which whom he sentenced. And that makes it really interesting. If you're a Bible st uh, scholar, if you study the scriptures, this nearly need to trigger you to start digging into this. What, why did he use the devil as this one compared to a man, a novice who will be puffed up by pride and fall into this condemnation, this punishment? So let's study this. If Paul uses the devil, we need to go back and have a look at the devil and see where all of this started. And we find this none other than in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. He's now going to give us an explanation of Lucifer. Lucifer, Satan, devil, same word. Listen carefully and follow in your Bible because he says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? He mentions his name, this prophet. Remember, the prophet spoke on behalf of God. So God speaks through Isaiah and he writes it down so that you and I can hear these words in our day and lives. How you have fallen, O Lucifer, son of the morning. He's not the bright and morning star. He's the son of morning mentioned here. That's the title. Don't get confused with those two. Some people do. This is not Jesus he's talking about here. This is Lucifer, a created being. A created angel and 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 the prophet says here how you have fallen how you are cut down to the ground you who weakened the nations that's his task that's what he's doing he weakens the nations look around you and again we're going to come at the end of this study and i'm going to show you how this fits in perfectly he says you've weakened the nations you've been cut down to the ground now, there's another study I do where he talks about the stages that Satan has fallen from heaven to the ground. 
And we're going to see it's been called the prince of the air. Now, let's continue on in verse 13. He says, you have said in your heart. Now, this is where the origin of sin comes from. Remember, the angels were created before man. The, 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 the angels in, and, um, in, in the angelic world. And they, they operated with God and they saw everything that's happened. And here we see now that he says, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will. Listen to how many times he uses the word, I will. He says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The stars of God here refers to the angels. In other words, he's already saying, I will exalt my throne above the angels with whom he was created equal. But he wants to be the man or the angel or the star. Um, I will also sit in the Mount of Congregation on the uh, farther side of the north. This is, if you understand the Bible, this is the dwelling place of God. And he says, I will sit on this mountain of congregation on the further side of the north. For you and for me, there's only three heavens. Okay, so the first heaven is the heaven that we see here, the clouds. That's the first heaven. And then the second heaven that we see is the stars and the planets. Okay, that's space. This heaven he's, he's talking about, this place, is in the third heaven. That is where God is. Yeah, you're right, my friend. There's not seven heavens. There's only three heavens. Paul talks about this. Uh, he talks about the third heaven. He says, I know of a man who's been caught up into the third heaven. And that is the dwelling place of God. Now, many times in the Bible, he describes it as a mountain on the north. Um, and here, Satan says, I will, you know, exalt myself and I will go up into and I will sit in this congregation. And in verse 14, he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Now, focus on what he says next. I will be like most high. Capital letters. I will be like God. That's what it says there. This is so telling. So what is building up inside of him? Can you see the stages as I read through that? How, how he's been be beginning to be puffed up with pride. I will. I will. All of these things he mentions that he will do. And then he says, yet you shall be brought down to Seol, to the lowest depth of the pit. So the stages of Satan where he exalts himself um, to be like the Most High, to be like God, to be God. And then there's stages of falling. He's been cut down to the earth. And then in verse 15 he says, and you shall be brought down to Seol, another stage. We haven't seen that stage yet. We will see that and we see that in the book of Revelation. So Paul says, when he warns Timothy, he says, beware that it's not a novice. Why? Because the pride will puff him up and he will be condemned the same way than the devil. We've just read it in Isaiah 14 verse 12. Fascinating scripture verse. 
fascinating. This point in time, sin has not entered into the garden yet. Didn't enter there yet. You see, the fact of the matter, friend, is that God don't like pride. He doesn't like it. This puff upness. James chapter 4 verse 6, for instance, says, but he gives more grace. God is there to give more grace. To whom? To the humble he will give that. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. What does the word say? God resists the proud. The one who's puffed up. God resists that, but he gives grace to the humble. There's two opposites here. Which side are you? Satan, obviously, in this particular case here, went and he wanted to be puffed up. He wanted to be God. I will ascend into heaven and I will exalt myself amongst the stars and I will sit in this congregation and I will be above the clouds and I will be like the Most High. And this is the orig origin of sin. What is the sin here? It's selfishness. How many times did he use that word I? It's all about him. It's all about him. Me, myself, and I. It is three's company. And God resists that. Because what does it do? It puffs yourself up. And that's the second thing. The second thing of sin. These things lingers around and you find sin. And it is so evident. I will be like the Most High. So we see here that Satan wanted to be God. And he did not succeed. He was cut down. The, uh, the prophet says that he was cut down to the earth. And if you want further proof to this, let's listen to Jesus. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 17. Now, I want you to understand that when Satan was cut down to the earth, that Jesus was there to see this happen. He, he was there. Why? Because he wasn't a created being. He's not just another angel. He was the creator. He created Satan. So let me just address this. It is absolute blasphemous to even think and to say that Jesus and Satan is fighting over the world for souls. No. No. That is a fable. Jesus is not fighting and in an arm wrestle with the devil and, you know, maybe the devil can win. Or, or th this picture here, I don't know if you saw that. I saw once a, uh, a depiction of Jesus sitting on the one side of a chessboard and Satan on the other side. And they had the chessboard and these were the souls of people. That's absolutely rubbish. Yes, Satan is the agent upon the, uh, the earth who is bringing nations down and who's, who's there, who's working. Yes, that's true. But if Satan goes into a fight with, and it's happened. There, I just read it to you in Isaiah. He tried it. And what happened? He lost. He's a loser. He lost and he was cut down to the earth. But Jesus says the same thing if you don't believe the prophet. Listen to Luke 10, 17. Then the 17, 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Wow. We speak the name of Jesus and the demons, they flee. They, they you know, the demons is through that name. What a wonderful name. 
And Jesus said to them, I like this. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now get this. He was cut down. Who saw that? Jesus saw that. I saw Satan cut down like lightning from heaven. Where was he cast down unto? The first stage. He was cut down to the ground, to the earth. That's where he was cut down. And he works. He works right now in our lives, in, in the lives of the sons of disobedience. You see them all over. Not, not, not only the, the ones that you see manifested on, on TV, writing and all of these things, but also subtly in, uh, in the lives of every person that doesn't belong to God. He's not saved. So he says, I saw Satan uh, fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. There's only one who can give you that authority. Is the one who has got the authority. Is the one who has got the power. That's the only one who can make a statement like this. I give you the authority. And let it be known that we are operating in delegated authority. It's God's authority. It's not your authority. I've seen it so many times. So many times people stand and they proclaim in the name of God, something miraculous happened and they proclaim it for themselves. Oh, and then, you know, don't get caught up in that. But let's get to the word and stick to the word. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So where was he cast down to? To the earth, the first state of the fall of heaven. Um, and what does he do? He's now called the prince of the power of the air. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. He says, and you and I, I don't want to point the finger only at you because I'm also a man like you, you know, a normal person. He says, and you he made alive. That means we were dead. But you say, wait a minute, preacher. Look at me. Take my pulse. Take my, I'm alive. <sighs> You can, no, no, he's talking spiritually. He says, in here you are dead. He says, you were dead, you were dead in trespasses. Now, guess what word he uses there? It is to cross a line that you shouldn't cross. And then he says, trespasses and sins, harmatia. There we come back to our previous study, missing the mark. You were guilty in those things and spiritually you were dead. Now, this comes to the next word in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Now listen, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who, and it's a small little spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience. So now we see the air he's talking about is this first atmosphere between here and going up into heaven. He says, in that realm, in this space, the prince of the power of the air is operating in this space. And who does he use? Of course, there's demons out there. But the one person or the one uh, object that he's using is people. And he calls them their sons of disobedience. So you ask me, how is Satan working? He's working through people. And we've seen it so many times. The sons of disobedience. Look, there's only two kinds of sons in the world. Sons of disobedience and sons of God. You can't be both. 
You're either a son of disobedience or you're a son of God. If you're a son of disobedience and you want to become alive, it's called uh, to be born again. That is what it's called. You need to be born from above. This is how you become a son of God. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, this now is going to bring us to the Garden of Eden. Okay, if we think about the origin of sin, I've already showed you that it started with Satan. When Satan rebelled against God, he wanted to be God. And a third of the angels was casted down with him. The ones who he influenced to be, I, it's all about me, want to be God. Now we come to the Garden of Eden and we see the same thing happen here. Now I want you to take your Bible and do this exercise. Okay, just for time's sake, I'm going to tell you about this. But you're going to see two attacks here on God from Satan himself. Two. And it's the same right into our day today. And what we're going to see is in Genesis chapter 2, we see the words used, Lord God. Lord is the title, is the deity title of God. And the first place we find it is in Genesis chapter 2 verse 16. Follow in your Bible, circle the word and go through chapter 2 and circle every single time that it's written down Lord God. Deity title God. It says it in Genesis 2.16. And the Lord God, the deity title of God, God. The Lord God commanded man. This was uh, Adam. He says, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. And what does he say? But of the tree of good and evil you shall not eat. That's all he says to man. But it's the Lord God he says that. Genesis 2 verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good for man that he should be alone. And then God made Adam. So we find an interesting progression here. We see that God speak to Adam before Eve was created. He says to Adam, I'm putting you in the garden of Eden, the Lord God. You can eat of any tree, but that tree, you cannot eat from that tree. Okay, that's an, a command from God. Then in verse 18, after that, he, the Lord God saw Adam is alone and he says, not good that he's alone. And then he created Eve. Now, for time's sake, I'm going to save it, but I'm going to give you the homework. Read on from chapter 2, verse 18. Circle every single time you see the words, Lord God, up until chapter 3. And you will find he uses the word 11 times. Title, deity of God, Lord God. Now in chapter 3, it becomes really interesting because we see here the entrance of Satan into the Garden of Eden. He comes onto the scene now. And we find this fascinating, interesting concept of this. Now, before I go to that verse in uh, chapter 3, let's first go in and see another passage which shows and proves that Satan was the shining, uh, shining one in the Garden of Eden. We're going to the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. Now, Ezekiel chapter 28 is a very interesting chapter because it talks about the prince of Tyre. Um, this is a prophecy against that prince. And there was a prince like that. But it's like 
it's like a prophecy that played off on the earth, but it is it is a prophecy prophecy that happened in the Garden of Eden. It's a prophecy that happens in our day. So a lot of times that happened. So when he talks about the Prince of Tyre, the spiritual application here is to somebody else. Let's find out who. You can read from verse 1. I'm catching up in verse 13, Ezekiel 28, 13. He says, you were in Eden. The garden of God. Who was there? Who is he talking about? He says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, j- uh, sapphire. He names a lot of them there. The workshop of your trembles and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. He's obviously talking here about Lucifer. He was in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of God. He was precious. Yes, he was precious angel. And all of these stones were attributed to him, but also the pipes and the instruments. He's known to be the angel of worship. This is why they said it's a massive attack on the worship of the church. That's why. And he uses worship to 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 blindfold people, to bring people down through worship. False worship, I should say. But it says there was prepared for you in the day when you were created. You were anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. Now, this absolutely gets to me. We just read in Isaiah, he said, I will ascend into heaven. I will sit in the, in the congregation. I will go about the clouds. I will be like God. God made him such a, a, a fantastic place to be. He was anointed and he was on the holy mountain of God in God's presence. Now I've got something to say about that. Because there's people who say that if God did not allow sin on the world, everybody would have served God. They wouldn't have been this, this, uh, this problem now. Let, let me back up because I've said something which could be controversial. If God did not allow. Now, the fact of the matter is the Bible says that God will not tempt us with evil. So God did, he didn't cause the evil. But he, it is allowed. He came to earth. He cut him down to the earth. But the thing here is he had the best circumstances that you can think of. He was in the presence of God on the holy mountain. Still, they was found within him. Sin. Why? Because he was pride, puffed up, selfish, and wanted to be God. Not like God, he wanted to be God. And here we find it that he says, You were on the holy mountain. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Now, he was perfect from the day he was created. And then the Bible uses a word, Till. Up unto a point. He was perfect up until a point till iniquity was found in you. Now that's the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The correlation word there for iniquity, sin, is correlation with harmatia. Now that's what we're going to talk about next time. When we talk about harmatia's missing the mark. But if you miss the mark, you must be aiming for something else. What are you aiming for? 
His sin there, his iniquity that he had, his armatia, was missing the mark of God to be obedient to God. And then he hit something else, and that was selfishness. And here we find it, he says, still iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. So there's a transgression of sin that happens. We find a great example in the New Testament in the book of James, how sin transgressed. And we're going to come to that in the next few weeks. You see here that the first thing that entered into me is pride. And then it's all about me. And then what happens then? Next is violence. Look around you. Look what's going on in the world. It's exactly the same. Exactly. You've got these movements which is filled with pride. It's all about themselves. It's all about their rights. And then what, what comes after that? Violence. It is the old trick of the enemy. And it's still working. It's still working today. We see it evidently what's going on. Therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. There we've got him cast down again. Isaiah said you were cut down to the earth. Jesus saw, said, I saw him falling like lightning. Here Ezekiel says he was um, cast out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because your, of your beauty was beautiful. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you into the ground. I laid you before the kings that they might gaze at you. The kings of the earth. He weakened them. What's this kings talking about? That's now talking casting down to the ground. But there's coming a day when he's going to be casted down into the, hell, the, the lake of fire. And who's going to be in the lake of fire? All of those kings that he weakened. That he weakened. Finding themselves in a place where they didn't want to be. No man wants to be in hell. If I ask anybody on the street, do you want to go to hell? Everybody would say, no, that's silly. I don't want to go to hell. But he weakens them. He fools them. He lies to them. They believe the lie and they end up in the lake of fire. And here he says that... Uh, he says to him there, you corrupted the wisdom for your sake. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before the kings that they may gaze at you. Mm, that day is coming. It's going to be really interesting. Remember, he said, I will be like God. He attacked two things of God. Let me go to that quickly. Remember now, as we go back to Genesis, we've, we've found evidence here in Ezekiel that he was in the Garden of Eden. He walked in the Garden of God. Guess who was also in the garden of God? Adam and Eve. God created this garden. He put them in this garden. Beautiful place. He said to them only one thing. God, the Lord God said, thou shalt not eat of that tree. Now, we find in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. If you want to open up there. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. I love it how this chapter begins with the deity of God. Okay? And God. And he said to the woman, this is now Satan speaking, and listen very carefully that you don't miss this. He said to the woman, has God indeed said? 
Think about that. What's missing? I think it's evident. Has God indeed? He didn't say, has the Lord God indeed say? So what's he attacking? The deity of God. Why is he attacking the deity of God? Because he wants to be God. And if you want to be God and there's somebody who is God, you need to bring him down. You need to, you need to destroy him so that you can build something else. Hold on to those words. It's going to be a climax at the end of this, this uh, study. So we see now that he says these words that he says, has God indeed said? So he attacks, first of all, the deity. And then what is the second thing he brings into question? Has God indeed said? He attacks the word of God. My dear friend, if you can just know how under attack is this word in the world ever since Jesus spoke it, ever since it came into a book form, ever since the prophet started speaking, ever, ever since the Garden of Eden, ever since there was communication, verbal communication between God and man, Satan attacked it. The word, water it down. More so today. He attacks the deity of God and he attacks the word of God. Did God indeed say? And we see that going right through the Bible. I mean, there's a great study for somebody, if you're interested, if you go right through the Bible and follow where God gives instructions and man is disobedient to the instruction. Who did they listen to? They listened to themselves. Aye, there's the puffness. They listened to others, but except not for God. Not for him. Right through to the book of Revelation. You read about John who was on the island of Pathmos. And it says there he was on the island of Pathmos for what? For two reasons. Because of God and because of the word of God, the testimony. He was on the Isle of Pathmos. You see, it's still an attack on the deity and on the word of God. And it's still so today. I'm going to prove it to you at the end of the study. So in Genesis 3 verse 2, he says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Thou shalt not eat it, nor shalt thou touch it, lest you die. I always love this piece. That's not what God said. He didn't say, you, you, lest and not touch it. It might be Adam who just added a little bit of a tail to that. But if you rewind and you go back, you'll see that God said to me, you shall not eat of that tree. But that's the thing, you know, you, you, you make this thing, you know, if I, I shouldn't touch it, then you want to touch it. Once you touch it, you want to grab it. And once you grab it, you want to eat it. But let's not digress. Let's see quickly where this leads. She said, we shall not eat of it. We shall not touch of it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die. Wait a minute, what did he do in, in verse 1? He questioned God's word. Now he goes out straight forward and deny it. He says, no, come on, that's nonsense. You, you, you don't make sense here. No, no, that's a little bit over the top. Come on. This is, this is not right. Uh, ah, come on, you won't die. What's he doing? He's, he's generating that, that curiosity in there. He's curious that, that I, I need to make a decision for myself. He's planting the seeds of selfishness and of pride. And of pride. Look, look follow. Uh, he said, you shall surely not die. God knowing good, uh, knowing good and evil. 
Remember what Paul said, don't be puffed up with pride because you will come under the same condemnation as Satan, as Lucifer. And here he's, trying, he's busy puffing her up. If only, if only she could have read Paul's writings. But of course, Paul wasn't born yet. So in Genesis 3, 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was now, look, he planted the seeds, tacked the deity of God, as God said. It's only mere like us, God. Did God say, attack the word, the seeds were planted within there? Oh no, God surely didn't say, he didn't mean that. No, no, maybe you heard it wrong. Maybe that's your interpretation. No, no, let me give you the right interpretation. You should surely not die, come on. Once that seed landed in the heart and it went into the mind and it, and it started bearing fruit. Let's see what happens now. So the woman saw the tree was good for food. Wow, it's now appealing to me. That it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, pride of life. She took the fruit and ate and she also gave it to her husband and he ate. Son of man, mankind. Lucifer, sin, we saw how he was cast down, man came and they were disobedient to God. But let it be known, they were disobedient because the seeds were sown within their hearts. Yes, they had a decision. They had a choice. She could have said it straight away. She could have resisted the, 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 the enemy, the devil. She could have said it, depart from me. When the wife came to, to Adam and said to him, come and eat, man, I've eaten, take eat, nothing happened to me. He should have said no. But here again, he didn't listen to God's voice. He listened to his wife's voice. So they disobeyed God. This is the origin of sin for mankind, for man. Selfishness and pride. You say, prove it to me in the New Testament. We take those three same words there. It was good for food. It was pleasant for the eyes and it make one wise. We go to 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. We find now John, an apostle, a disciple of Jesus. He was sitting with Jesus for three years with Jesus, the, the Messiah. He had all of the teachings of Messiah. When Jesus died, the Holy Spirit inspired them to write. And the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, came and told them about Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And he pens the following down, which now relates straight back to the Garden of Eden, which, which opens it up for you and for me to understand. In 1 John 2.15, he says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the Father is not in him. Okay. But now, he just strikes it down to the heart. He says, For all that is in the world. What is in the world, John? The lust of the flesh. Wait a minute. Rewind. Go back. The woman saw that the tree was good for food. Food satisfies the flesh. The lust of the flesh. That is in the world. That is... All in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. The woman it saw that the tree was pleasant on the eyes in Genesis 3.6. It's called here the lust of the eyes. Now let me quickly give you the definition for lust again. It is to satisfy self at the expense of others. Selfishness, pride, 
Those two sit behind everything you do. Because if you sin, you sin to gratify yourself, to satisfy yourself. Uh, you know, to, to satisfy the lust of your eyes, to satisfy the lust of your flesh. And then it comes to the third one, 1 John 2.15, and the pride of life. Wow. Uh, go back to Eve. And the tree was desirable to make one wise. I'm wiser than you. <laughs> you know, can, I can go on a lot about that. He's not the father, but he is of the world. So we see this dropping. The seeds were planted. He came to fruition and now sin is sinning there. But this is going through the generations. Through the generations to our day. Genesis 11. You remember what happened there? God created man and, and what was the instruction to man? To fill the earth. To fill the earth means that you move away. You don't congregate in one place. You move away. Fill the earth. This was God's grand plan to have all of the nations all over the world. And uh, let, let me, by the way, say that all nations upon the face of the earth came from these two people, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. There were no other people before them. So God says to mankind, fill the earth. And what does man do? Of course, you know, you get your rebels in there as well. Your human rights and all of these kind of things, you know, man power and all of all, all of that nonsense. Genesis 11.3, then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Let us. What is replaced here? Satan, the father of lies, their father in Genesis 11. Uh, he said, I will, I will, I will. These people say, let us, mankind, let us bake some stone. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. Now, what is that? That is disobedience. That is breaking the commandment of God. Because God said, fill the earth. He didn't say, go and make cities. Now, I by far don't say cities is a sin these days. But for God to fill the earth, that was the instruction. Go and fill the earth. The earth is filled now. Every, every continent has got people on it. Islands has got people on it. But they built a city. And then they say, a tower whose top is in heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. It is the same, my dear friend. They're building a tower to reach what? To reach heaven. What did Satan say? I will go above the clouds. I will go into the mountain, the congregation of God. I will sit on that mountain. I will become God. These people. And what did they do? They want to build a tower so high to reach heaven. To reach God. And to make a name for themselves. Oh, let us make a name for ourselves. What happened to Satan? He was cut down. Jesus said, I saw him falling like lightning. Ezekiel said that it was like a profane thing thrown out. What's happening to these people? I guess you've got it. It says, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. That's what God said. Now let me back up and read it again in context. And they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower to stop us in heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Whoa. Let us be scattered, lest we be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. But God, but the Lord, excuse me, apologize. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men have built. And what did he say? 
Ah, he says, come, let us. Who's that? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down. And what did they do? They did a small thing, which is a massive thing these days. They changed the languages. All of a sudden, one was speaking in German, and the other one was speaking in, you know, uh, English, and the other one in Chinese. I'm not talking about languages which was made afterwards, but at that point in time, it could have been two or three, I don't know. But he changed their tongues, their languages. They couldn't understand each other. They got so mad at each other, so they were scattered. You see, it doesn't help. Let me just say it. Stop following Satan. So stop being a son of disobedience. Because what did Paul say? He says, don't put a novice in as an elder, lest he be puffed up with pride and be condemned, judged with the same judgment as Satan. That is, that is so true. Now, we see it in our day as well. And this is, this is what I said at the beginning of the study. If you, and I believe you are still here with me, if you hold on to this point, I want to bring it all home and show you how it's playing off now in the streets of America, in the streets of Europe, in the streets wherever there's, you know, these, you know, riots and everything going on. I want to give you a Latin phrase, a Latin phrase. Solve et coagla. Solve et coagla. Now, what does that mean? It means to separate and to join together. Solve means to dissolve it. And then collate means to glue it back again. I'm going to say it again. And maybe I don't say it in the right Latin accent or so on. But it is solve et coagla. So you dissolve something and then you glue it back again. Better. That's, that's the, the main idea. You want to make things better, but you've got to break it down first. And this is a medieval alchemy quote. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which is to say that nothing can, new can be built before you make space and by breaking down the old thing. It's an old alchemy quote. And this is what it means. Solve et coagla. Dissolve it and glue it back again. And this solve et guagla is, is this essential alchemy um, process that's happening. Now, alchemy, the word alchemy means and is defined as the process of taking something ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. This is like when you take lead, you know, iron, lead iron, and you change it into gold. Now, that would be a process to do because you just can't do that. But there's a spiritual application to these things. It's a medieval, and it is well said, you know, that these things were around the medieval times. Now, there's a lot of those things which flown over to our day and age. And you will see <clears throat> how it's actually applying to Satan, to our study. So I want to show you this picture, but before I show it to you, I don't like, you know, these kind of things, and I don't delve into these things, but for you to understand what I'm trying to say and what is going on in the world, you have to see this. So what you have there is Baphomet. That is Baphomet. It is a, um, it is known that the, the, the uh, King's Templar worshipped this, this image. Now, we all can know what this image is. It's Satan personified. If you look at the image there, it's got... Uh, 
the goat head with the goat horns. It got wings on it, and it's got this little fire at the top. It's, it makes a mockery of uh, Pentecost. And then it's got the, the top half of a woman. And then if you look down, the genitalia of a man. But you also see the snakes crossing over that. And then you've got his two hands, one showing up and the other one showing down. Now, if you look closely, and, and I'm going to show you a second one as well, you will see that the one who's showing down has got the three fingers out and the one finger in, uh, two fingers in. That is the sign that the popes in the Roman Catholic Church do. It's pointing toward the religious system. One hand pointing up, the other one pointing down. Now, you will see all these things. And uh, in the next one I want to show you is what a lot of people don't see when they see Bapumith is that um, the tattoos on his arms. They don't see these things often. They don't, you don't see that often. So there's two tattoos inscribed on the arms of Bapumith. And the one says, Solvay. And on the other one, et kuagla. It's on the arms. You see it right there in front of you. The one showing upwards, solve, and the other one showing downwards with the fingers that is, um, you know, like that, uh, says et kuagla. Now, what does all of this mean? It means that we need to dissolve something. And once that's broken down, we can then glue together a new thing which is better. Now look closely at what it shows. The one who shows up, Solve, is we're going to dissolve God. And that is the ultimate, the ultimate attack from the left, is to dissolve God, religion, to dissolve. It's going to be a fight against the Christian. It is to bring God down to man's level and to destroy him. Now, if you think, well, wait a minute, preacher, you're going into the medieval things. These, is all, these are all medieval... The Bible talks about it. It talks about the battle of Armageddon, where man think and is so puffed up in pride that they can take on God and beat him. And they are going to lose. This is the one showing up. Solve. We're going to dissolve that. Now, this is where I bring it back to our day. And we see it so often. What is these protesters saying? What is the people who's trying to, they want to break down every single thing. They want to break down society. They want to break down the family unit. They are telling you now the family unit is not, yeah, we know the family unit of, of uh, mom and dad and the children. They say to the children, you've got your own rights. Puff them up. See, Satan sow the seeds in our young little children. And say, you've got your own rights. It's not like the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. No, no. And then it goes into a woman's rights. And it goes, you've got your rights. And, and you know, you've been all of these years being trampled down upon. And no, no. And then it goes back to man. And then you know, all of these. It's the breakdown on the family unit. Solve. And then they come back and say, we're going to glue it all together. We're going to give you something better. We're going to turn this lead into gold. And, and now we've got all of these strangely formed unities going on. And I can carry on. You know, look at history. They want to rewrite the history. So we're going to dissolve the history. We're going back. How do, how do you dissolve history? It's really easy, actually. Really easy. You go back. You take all of the books that's written about history and the history writers. You burn them and you rewrite them. And all you need is one generation. 
uh, maybe two generations. And what you do is you give this new generation this new history. So we've dissolved the previous history. We've rewritten it into a new history. You see, solve et guagra. We're going to glue it all together. And this new history is going to be better because there's, there's no offense in this new one. It is, it is you know, socially acceptable. It is politically acceptable. Every, it's not going to offend anybody. So break that down. We see it now with the cries out. You know, law enforcement. Defund the police. In other words, dissolve the police. We see now in America, some states want to do that. Let's, you know, defund them and then we dissolve them. So what are they saying? Solve et guagla. Because what they go and say, oh, we're going to have these, you know, neighborhood watches now. It's going to come up and it's going to be better than the police. We're going to turn this lead into gold. It's exactly the same thing. Look at this image. That's an image of Satan. He's sitting behind this. He's sitting behind all of this. And it, it comes from this, the origin of sin. That's where it comes from. But let me bring one more and then we'll close. Dissolve God. And then he throws down that sign to religion. Ed Guhagla. So my dear friends, the one attack that's coming is to dissolve God, the Word of God. I showed you today the attack on the deity of God and the Word of God. Nowadays, you don't find preaching out of the Word of God anymore. And what these players don't realize, they are part of Solve. They are busy dissolving God. They are busy taking on, they are, they are puppets, they are instruments, they are pawns in the hands of Satan, plan in his plan to solve, to water down the word of God. They attack the deity of God and the word of God. That's what's happening. It's happening right now. You don't get strong preaching out of the word of God anymore. You get a lot of prophecies and a lot of prophets, self-proclaimed prophets. What are they doing? Solve. They say, you know, God said to me, you know, God said to me to say you. When I was sitting there, I look at a birdie and the birdie said to me, it was the voice of God through the birdie to me. Solve. Going away from the word of God. It is solve. Dissolve God. We're going to dissolve him. And then what? Et kuagla. We're going to glue it together and give you something better. Go down to the other hand of Bathometh. And what does it show? Ed Guagla. And it shows that through religion, we're going to bring you something new. It's happening right now. One world religious system. Ah, oh, there you go, preacher. You know, and that's conspiracy theory as well. If you want to believe it is a conspiracy theory, wake up one day. It's right there in the images all over. It's been worshipped all over. Now... Even the Hollywood stars has caught up onto this. J.K. Rowling, she's the writer of the Harry Potter books, which is absolutely occult, taught a lot of children to be engaged into your cult. Christian parents should never have let their children watch Harry Potter. On, on a hand, and I'm, I'm going to put it in there, on a hand tattooed, what? Solve et guagla. I'm part of it. So there you have it, my dear friends, the origin of sin playing out in our day, in open eyes now. It's not be hidden anymore. It's right open. 
the attack, the final attacks on the church. And it's not coming. It's not gonna, it's already happening. It's already, you know, I can go back 20 years when this thing started. And I can keep you busy with a lot of that stuff. But that's not the study. So I, I pray the Lord that he spoke to your heart. Rewind, listen to the scriptures again, and uh, may the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this timely warning, Lord. Father, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we thank you, Lord, that you're in control. Even if I talk through these things, I pray, Lord, that my listeners don't become uh, fearful, uh, but that they will become more faithful and trustworthy for you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.